Welcome to The Book Report, the podcast where we do book reports on the books we haven't read since the last time we did book reports. My name is Dwin, and my pronouns are she, her. My name is Natalie, and my pronouns are also she, her. Do you remember the Animorphs? Neither do we. This week, we're reading The Change by K.A. Applegate, and that one came out in 1997. Do you remember what happened last time, Dwin? Oh, I do. So last time we read about Rachel, and Rachel had an allergy to oh my God. a crocodile alligator. Mm-hmm. Crocodile. <laughs> we talked about it for a long time, and I don't remember which. I think it was a crocodile. Okay. Um, yeah, so she had an allergy, and then they just, it was a, <laughs> you know, traditionally I like Rachel. When I hear it animal, it's like her and Cassie neck and neck. Um this was a very bad book for Rachel is what it was. It, it, was, it just was not a bad. great look for her. It was, yeah. it was the, Rachel was pulling a real Jake of what was happening in that book. Mm-hmm. She sure was. So, yeah. So that's what last week was. Okay. Well, you wrote a book report for this week, so why don't I read it? I did. I did. All right. I'm excited to read this. Here we go. This week, I read Animorphs Book 13, The Change. This book was told from the perspective of Tobias, the only member of the Animorphs currently unable to morph due to being stuck in a hawk morph. In the beginning of this book, Tobias is feeling sad and mopey about being left out of all the human things his friends are doing. He also has a huge crush on Rachel, like all the rest of the morphing gang. He and Rachel are out flying together when they see a tree moving and uncovering a big hole in the ground. Two hork escape, and Rachel and Tobias decide to help them. Only one gets away, and they help him hide in the cave. It turns out the hork Jarahami, is that how you're saying it? Jarahami? I think so. Okay, great. Jarahami is free from Yerks and ran away from his, or ran away with his wife, not from his wife. The morphing gang decide to protect the hork after learning he's really free from the Yerks. Unfortunately, the Yerks show up and try to capture or kill him. While they're trying to escape, Tobias somehow magically ends up hovering over where Visor 3 has captured the other hork Bajir, Ket Halpak. He uses mighty hawk powers to help her escape and guides her to the cave where Jara is. Tobias decides to try and protect Jara and Ket by taking them to a valley. He has a oh, taking them to a valley he has a vision of when they find out taxons are on the way. Tobias rides along on the hork Bajir while the other animorphs are at home. While on their way, he's feeling mad and demands answers from whatever is giving him visions and the Elemist appears. Basically, he promises to give Tobias what he wants, but neither of them say what that is out loud. He is returned to the hork and they keep going. Eventually, the other Animorphs join them. They are all together when the Yerks show up with helicopters. Tobias breaks a wing and is about to be eaten by a raccoon when the Elemist gives him what he wants, which turns out to be the ability to morph, but not from a human form. Tobias is angry, but rejoins his friends after turning into a raccoon, then back into a hawk. Rachel and Tobias turn into Ket and Jara, and they end up tricking the Yerks by jumping off a cliff. The Yerks think that Ket and Jara are dead and leave without checking the bodies. Ket and Jara are then free to live in their valley. Tobias returns home and has a dream where he goes back in time to a dream he had before becoming an anamorph. He acquires his own DNA through the dream, then goes back to the real world. He's then able to morph into himself, go to school, where no one recognizes him somehow, and watch Rachel receive her award. The end. <laughs> this is a pretty good book report. Yeah. I thought so. I liked how you touched on the most important parts and you summed up the really, really long parts in like one sentence. <laughs> yep. Um, I give it an A. I think it's great. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I like it. I liked it. Thanks, A. Worked hard on it. I'm buttering you up so that you give me a good grade on my next one. We'll see. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not making any promises. All right. Noted. Um, Uh, Are the new characters that we met this week? Yeah, we just have two, and it's Jarahami and Ketalpak. Yes, and I want to just say the only guy we have for Jarahami's uh, name and the pronunciation of it is that I believe it was Marco said... No, it's Jake. Oh, Jake says his name is Jeremy. (laughs) Yeah. So I think Jarahami sounds right. Yeah, that sounds right. Jarahami. It's kind of like Jeremy. Not really, but I guess kind of. Jake was just being a jerk. Um, yeah, they're two hork They seem to be a couple. And uh, that's it. That's, that's it. That's kind of all there is. There are new characters. Uh, yep. It's not clear how major or not major they will be. Yes. Um, they are the first hork we've talked to that are not Yerk-controlled, so they're the first real hork we've talked to. Like, every other 
pork for we've talked to has actually been a year. So, and it kind of sounds like they are the only ones who are free just in general, like full stop. Yeah. There are no other free hork bajir. Mm-hmm. It does seem like that. Yes. There's a lot of references to Adam and Eve, not, not like subtle ones, just like blatant yeah. references to yeah. Adam and Eve in this, that like they are, they will live in the Valley and they will birth a new generation of hork bajir. And I think they called it Eden too. At one point there was like a reference to Eden. So yeah. Not subtle. Yeah. Very in your face. Uh, yeah. Well, sh- let's talk about the book then. Um, I just want to say the very first thing before we even get into the, the sort of the content of the book. Um, I would say to me, this is possibly the worst cover we've had so far. And I don't the know cover, how to describe Are we going to post why. a picture of it for people? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I will post a picture. Um, I can do that. I hate this cover a lot. Well, okay. So it is normally you see like a kid turning into an animal but this one is kind of reversed and it looks like an animal turning into a kid, which is, I studied literature, so I can tell you that is called foreshadowing. Well, um, I don't like the face. It's not good. Um, it gives the face me, is not good. It's just, it's not, not, not good. I also want to point out something that I just realized as I was looking at this cover right now. Um, these covers are very inaccurate because he is morphing into a person wearing a sweater. Hey, good point. He should be morphing into his spandex suit. Yes, although... Well, he doesn't have one, so he'd be morphing naked. And I just, yeah, I, I was just thinking that, like, when he morphs back into his body, is he just, at the very end, is he just naked? And then he has to, yeah, like, nakedly go find clothing? And it doesn't sound like he told anybody that he can do... Well, I guess he... No, he hasn't told anybody he has, he has his own self as a morph. So it's not like they would have, like, Tobias's clothing stashed somewhere in the woods. How did he get clothes? That's a great question. That's the kind of critical thinking questions that we need for this podcast. That's right. I'm going to assume since we weren't told that he actually did show up at the school naked and all of the comments about like people looking at him thinking he looks vaguely familiar, but he, but they're not quite sure who he is. That actually was people being like, why is this boy naked? Should I say something? Maybe not. Perhaps that would be inappropriate. His parents must be around somewhere. I'll just let it go. Uh, yeah, so I just wanted to bring that up. Anyway, but let's get into the really actual content, you know? Yeah, okay, so one of the, like, main plot points of this book is that Rachel is winning an Outstanding Student Award, and I, I just have questions about that from a sense of, like, I don't doubt that she's incapable of that. It's just, like, when did you have the time to become, like, valedictorian? No, I agree. I, this is the other thing about that award. So that award is the Packard Foundation Student Award. Is that a real uh, award? Well, I don't know, but the Packard Foundation is a real organization. Yeah, it is. So I'm I was look. wondering if that was a, a, like a clue to where they are because it's you know, David and Lucille Packard. That foundation, their headquarters are here in the Bay Area, but they could kind of, I mean, they're all over the place. They're not just here. Okay, I don't see anything about an outstanding student award. They do other awards, but not not that one. Anyway, I think I they're all over the like country, a, though. Yeah, I think their headquarters are maybe here. I thought they were here. I don't know, but um, yeah, I just thought that was interesting. Yeah, I don't know when she has time to be an outstanding student because it does seem like a lot of their time is occupied with fighting a war. Yeah, and in all of the books that we've had where she's a narrator. She's spending a lot of time just being, like, emotionally tortured, and I don't, if she can at the same time as being emotionally tortured be, like, valedictorian or whatever, like, good for her, but that's not yeah. possible as far as I'm aware. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't know what that's all about. Don't know. Anyway, that's a major plot point because she keeps it from Tobias. Yes. Because he can't attend the ceremony, presumably, as a bird which seems like bullshit. He could just sit in a tree. He'd be able to hear just fine, but whatever. And, so she, and the she way keeps that he, it from him. And the way that she, that she uh, the way that Tobias finds out is that she is carrying um, a letter that's underneath a note. And I guess, I'm guessing that what they're saying is it was like the note with a little bit of skew so you could see the top of the letter. Not that yeah. he could see through the note because that would be pretty wild. Um. So she basically hides it from him not to hurt his feelings. That he can't Which go to seems the, bad. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, but you can tell that like she's she's feeling for him and she doesn't want to to like hurt him. True, which is a great segue into the topic I wrote here, which is Rachel and Tobias are deaf going to hook up. I want to tell you it's the biggest disappointment of the series for me so far. I get that. I absolutely get that. I recognize those feelings. I think we all wish it were Cassie and Rachel. In my heart, it is still Cassie and Rachel, and I don't care about Jake. And also right remember now, I don't time care about they, Tobias. Remember that time Rachel was an elephant and Cassie rode her off into the sunset? If that isn't romance, I don't know what is. I don't Get know you what a is. girl who can do both. And instead, Rachel's going to hook up with Birdman. And so I want to read this is where they first make it like, it's, I think, been sort of implied before in this series that that's what's going to happen. Yeah. Which I found surprising they would go with the bird guy, but okay. Um, but I want to read where they make it really clear in this book. Um, so the two of them are talking, um, and Tobias says, basically Rachel's saying that she doesn't feel sorry for him, and he says, oh, it really matters to me what you think about me, basically. Uh, and he said, I mean, what was I thinking? Rachel's a human, a real human. I'm a hawk. You think Romeo and Juliet were doomed just from being from families that didn't like each other? Well, you can't get any more doomed than caring for someone who isn't even in the same species. So I was like, oh, I don't don't disagree with that. Yes, that's true. Interspecies romance, no, not the way. Doomed to fail, yeah. Um, But I was very disappointed to read that. I was like, no. She's Xena. So, come on. True. They can't make that analogy and then just be like, you know, ignore the undertones. Um, I, yeah, I also, there's just a part where he's being, like, way too earnest with her. That, that part of the, like, where he's, like, saying that she means a lot to him. He's just being way too earnest. And I was like, oh, no. Yeah. Oh, boy. And then, and then the end, when he shows up as a, in his human morph, because he's not human anymore, but when he shows up in his human morph, it's, it, like, the book ends with them, like, staring into each other's eyes. And I was like, oh, no. Yeah, boy. I just don't care about it. I don't care about that romance. I don't think it's that interesting. Um, and also, again, I want gays. And I don't want Marco to be the gay because I don't think he's gay. Oh, no, actually, I do think that. I have said in the past that I think he is gay, too. Well, I mean, I don't know that you're going to officially in canon get that because this was written in the 90s. But I think I'm right. here for you to extrapolate and determine what we think. Cassie and... Cassie and uh, Rachel forever. So, I'm into it. Sorry about it, Tobias, but I mean, you're right. It is a doomed relationship. So. Yeah. So don't even try, Tobias. And even when he gets back his morphing powers, it still seems pretty doomed because his lifespan's still going to be a lot shorter than the rest of them. Yeah, definitely. Also, unless he morphs back into himself, and then he gives us morphing powers, but I imagine he wouldn't do that. Until there well, weren't okay, that's to fight. Yeah, that's what I was wondering. I was like, if you want to be human so bad, just morph back to yourself and stay that way and find something else to do for the war, just like you've been doing now. Yeah, but I think he wants the morphing powers. But here's the thing. It, let's, just, let's just say the war goes on for 10 years. I don't know, five okay. years. At the end of it, he's like, okay, we've won, and now I'm going to become a human again. And Rachel is five years older. And his hawk body is also five years older. He'll morph back into his whatever age he is now body. It's a great point. And even though mentally he will be older because he actually is older. He'll morph into 13-year-old Tobias. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point and something to think about. Like, Rachel, maybe consider if this is the way you want to move forward in this relationship, huh? Maybe just stay friends. I don't, yeah, I don't know. It's a tough situation. And I mean, I guess love conquers all, but also they're very young. So I don't know that they need to worry about it so much yet. Truly. So the other, the other thing is like, I guess as a plot point, he's like being upset about not being human Uh and all the things he misses about being human. And then thinking about how like, actually he never really had those things when he was human because of his terrible family situation. But you know, he just like wishes he had a house and a bed. And I read that and I was like, why didn't they make him a birdhouse? Like, they, they truly were just like, well, you're a hawk now. Good fucking luck. Don't get eaten. They, they yeah. couldn't have made him a birdhouse with like a, a heater in it or something. 
Yeah, so that's the thing that I think is really strange. I was thinking that as I was reading, because I get that things like, he's a hawk, so he has to eat hawk food. Like, yes, that is true. Sure. Because that's, that's what his body needs to function. But things like heated birdhouse or something like that, that's something that's totally within their ability to do. Right. And also, like, Cassie definitely has the stuff to do that. Like, she has access to animal care stuff. Like, if the, one of the things that's a problem for him is that he's afraid at night because he doesn't feel safe because there are other animals in the woods, they could make a solution to that. And it make, wouldn't be hard. Make a house with a door where he can open it with his talons. You know, like, give him or something. Even, yeah. Or even, like, Cassie being like, oh, okay, every night I'll leave the, the door to the barn or whatever open until you get in and then I'll close it. Yep. And then he's in there and it wouldn't be weird for there to be a hawk in there. Yep. Like, Makes there no are sense. so many solutions that wouldn't be suspicious or weird. And, like, a lot of the things that he misses, like, he wants to watch TV. Like, okay, it seems like all of these people, their parents don't ever seem to notice where they are or what's happening or anything. Mm-hmm. So I can't imagine it'd be easy to be like, I'll leave the window open, you can fly in, we'll watch TV together. Like, a hawk can look at a TV. Yep. Or just sit on a branch outside the window. You have good yeah. vision. You can, you can do that. Or, like, I mean, in 1997, there existed those little portable TVs. If you're going to make them a house in the forest, put a little tiny TV in there. It just is very strange that, like, and part of that, I bet, is that he isn't saying anything about it to the other animals because all of them have a really hard time talking about what they want or what they need from each other. Mm-hmm. Like, they're really bad at setting those kinds of, like, I need this kind of, not boundaries, but, like, making those things with each other. They're not yeah. good at it. All of them are bad at it. But nobody thought to be like, hey, uh, Tobias, are you safe at night? Are you okay? Nobody thought to ask that question? Bad it's friends. very strange. Bad friends. And especially because, like, no, he's probably not vulnerable to yurks from his, like, little forest hideout. But, like, there are a lot of other animals out there. And, and the reason that he even has that morph is because there was a hawk who was injured. So, like, hawks get injured. They should be on their mind. Should be on their mind. Cassie's got a whole barn full of injured animals. All that to say, seems like they all need to reevaluate their priorities a little bit. Not the first time we've expressed that sentiment, but really, I feel like they could take better care of their friends. Like a little birthday where they surprise them with a house. Like, we got this for you. We got you a house. Right? That'd be nice. Because because how often are you able to say to somebody, I bought you a house? Never. But they could actually buy him a house. It's a really good point. They could each put birdhouses in their backyards, and then he could stay nearby them. They have so many options, and it is not weird to put up a birdhouse. Like, a really fancy birdhouse, maybe, but, like, it w- it's not weird for kids to want to do things like put up a birdhouse, or, like, definitely I've worked with kids where, like, they want to make a birdhouse, but it's not enough to just make a birdhouse. They want to make it a fancy birdhouse. They want to, yeah. like, do something cool and, like, make it special for the birds. That is not abnormal for kids to want to do that. Right. Also, I do realize he's a hawk. And so he would need a pretty big birdhouse. So build but a fucking still. tree house. Like, you can do it. You can take care Again, of your friend. A tree house is not that abnormal for a kid to want. No, it's not. Really yeah, upsetting. No, I think this is a real big gap. Uh, in and, and I know it's the, a plot point, but it still bothers me. Yeah, no, I agree. I think you're right. It is kind of strange. I put a note in our document here mm-hmm. that Marco continues to be sexist. Yes. Yeah, Marco had some can, not awesome moments. Can you even believe the shit he was saying? I pulled it up here. I'm going to read it. So he's asking, um, how exactly do you tell a man hork bajir from a woman hork bajir? First of all, you're assuming that every species just has a gender binary? Upsetting. But it's 97, so we'll continue. He says, do the women put makeup on their wrist blades? Do they use nail polish on those big nasty toes of theirs? I mean, do female hork cry at chick movies? Do they get all goo-goo when they see a baby? What? But I think the real question is, do female hork get all weird around bugs and snakes? What? It's so strange because he knows somebody, he knows a real-life girl who doesn't get weird about bugs and snakes. And also, honestly, two of them, because I don't think really Rachel does either. Um, no. I do want to say real quick, though, that Cassie's response, which is to throw, she, to grab a live snake and then throw it at Marco, that is not a good response. And it's not so much because she well, shouldn't do that. 
It's just that it seems like at an animal rehabilitation center, you're probably not allowed to throw injured animals at other people. Yeah, yeah. Like, I appreciate the sentiment, but maybe don't hurt an animal. But I do appreciate the sentiment. It's just, it's just a very strange choice for Cassie to be the one to just grab a live-ass snake and just throw it at Throw it at his face. Mm-hmm. Who could injure it? Like, he could injure the snake. Sure Also, could. I feel like it's not good to toss a snake. Probably not. Just a side note. Yes. I had a nightmare about snakes last night after reading both these Animorphs books in oh, one no. day. And I woke up and was convinced there was a snake in my bed. And so I started taking all the sheets off the bed and I was like, I'm going to go, like, I'll just find the snake. I'll kick it out of the bed and then I'll go back to sleep. But then I couldn't find the snake. And so I went out to the living room where Dan was and I was like, hey, can you help me? There's a snake in the bed. <laughs> and he had, to, he had to like unmake the bed and then make it up again to prove to me there was no snake. Anyway, all that to say, these books are doing my brain a world of good. Um, yep. Really putting me in a good place. Can I just say really briefly, another cat, another animal hurting moment that I didn't like is when the bobcat got hurt in this book. Yeah. I have a note in all cats that says, why are we hurting cats? Not good. I don't like that. I just wanted to I mean, put it he in was trying to eat it. Tobias, but still. I mean, animals got an animal. Mm-hmm. Don't you dare hurt that bobcat. Should have left the bobcat alone. Yeah. Ugh, I didn't like that. I want uh, cats to be taken care of. No, no good. Well, also, though, to answer Marco's question, it turns out their uh, horn blades are shaped differently. That's how you tell them if it's a male or female hork bajir. Who yeah, clearly do I, have the gender binary. Marco's, Marco's uh, stuff about the male and female hork bajir, I'm, I'm not into it. Not, not into it. No. no. No, no, I don't think that's a... I don't think that's appropriate. And Mm-mm. I think it teaches kids about these stereotypes and uh, makes it seem cool. While we're talking about Hork Bajir, uh-huh. um, can we talk real quick about... It's a running theme in these books where they talk about the ethics of morphing different animals and stuff based on like how intelligent they yeah. are. They try to decide, like, the value of a creature and whether or not it's sentient and deserving of consent. Yeah, and so at one point in the book, uh, basically they're like, okay, so we want to make the Yerks leave uh, Jarahami alone, so Rachel's going to morph into a Hork-Bajir and, like, run away, and, like, we'll do something. We'll have a whole plan, um... And Cassie's objection to this plan is not like it's a bad plan or like we're not good at making plans, so we should probably get like some help with making plans because it's not a all of which would have been valid. Instead, her objection is Jarhami isn't just any animal; he's sentient, he's self-aware. I think this is a very weak argument to make in general, Um, but it's especially weak. And Jake points this out because the the book before this. Uh, Cassie morphed Rachel. Yeah, she sure did. She she just did, and like, and uh, after that, you know, Cassie's like, well, we have to get a permission at least. But like, I don't think these books are very consistent on intelligence and sentience and morphing. First of all, um, we've discussed this before. Cassie's big objection was to morphing whales, but Marco's morphed a gorilla, and I think that we know that gorillas are pretty intelligent. And Cassie ended up morphing a whale anyway. Yes. Um, and she morphed Rachel. And yeah. uh, it's not like they can't just ask him. He's right there. And they know that they could say it and he would understand it. Because morphing shouldn't, it would not be confusing to him because he's around Visser 3. Yeah, I feel like this is just like a clumsy narrative reminder of like, oh, right, we're trying to ask people if we can morph them. But... And I think there it's is clumsy. a way. I think there is a way to bring up this argument again in this book, but I don't think this is the right moment, mm-hmm. especially because they're really under pressure right now. And I, I have to imagine that Cassie, at this point, she's already morphed someone under pressure. Like I think there's a certain point at which they have to have a certain amount of like. We will discuss the ethics later. Like we have to deal with that stuff later. Right now, it's taken action. Well, especially if they just already have a group rule of like, look, if you can talk to. 
the creature, ask its permission. That's a pretty foundational rule. And if it says no, you can't just take it. Yeah. You know? Um, It just seems strange. Like this would happen right now. This would make more sense to me if, and I think this is kind of, this kind of speaks to kind of how the Animorphs plans are often formed in the moment and are not very good. But like, it would make more sense if they were having a group meeting. um, Oh, the meeting when they were, where Marco was a sexist. Like, Mm-hmm. in that kind of meeting where they weren't under pressure and they were talking about what are we going to do we have to move him how are we going to do it what about what if we morph him that's a moment in which you can talk about the ethics of it when they're not under pressure but yeah. this moment like they know that there are horkbashir showing up right now and so they need to go yeah so like it's just i don't know i get that this is a thing that they want to come back to and i think probably it is important to the book and series in some way but i thought it made no sense here and it made no sense coming from cassie in this moment yeah i agree also, I want to point out that in the next line, Jake says, Axe morphed me once and Cassie, you morphed Rachel. They're missing the biggest one. Axe morphed all of them. Axe morphed all of them. Every so like, single one of them. So, like, Axe morphs humans all the time. Yep. Just a lot of hypocrisy happening here in uh, the forest that they're in. Yeah. Yeah. Don't like it. Did Axe acquire the morph of the of Visser 3's person? I don't think so. He should have. That's, that's, yeah, that's, that would have been an opportune moment as he was, you know, well, he thought he was going to die. So maybe he was like, I don't need, I don't need this because well, I'm going to die. It would have been smart. Um, yes, that would've was been. my, my that thing. And then the other thing that I wanted to say, speaking of Visser 3, um, we've talked a lot about Visser 3 and his job and like, is he How good he at his job? How he just wants a promotion. Mm-hmm. And I want to say, I definitely wrote my notes. Visser 3 is so bad at his job, but in a really inconsistent way. <laughs> because... How was he bad this time? Okay, so sort of towards the end of the book, the hork are like running away, and then the Yerks, who I guess just don't think about that a hiker could be out there or something, they bring like helicopters and all mm-hmm. of their army, and they're just doing all this kind of shit. They start a forest fire. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like the craziest plan, where they're like burning the forest down, they which again like it's a bad plan bad plan um, it's just really a lot is going on and then to buy not to buy yes tobias and rachel end up morphing into uh jara and ket with the idea that they're, they're, they're gonna fake their deaths right. um they don't make explicit what the plan is for us but like what we find out as they're going through it is that they are going to be caught basically and then run off a cliff. Yeah. And then Jara and Ket are going to be at the bottom of the cliff pretending to be dead. And then uh, Cassie and Jake are going to be wolves pretending to eat them. Yeah. Okay. And oh, and then Marco is going to be a gorilla and he's going to catch them. And when they yeah, fall. Yeah, he snatches them out of midair as they're falling. And I'm like, boy, that's a risky plan. That is so risky. It also makes me wonder how big um, Hork Bajir are because I don't. I mean, gorillas are big. Yeah. I thought Horkbajir were bigger. I, I thought they were, I really did picture them as like kind of big, hulking, like big um, gorilla-like hulking in that kind of way, just with yeah. blades also. But apparently not. Yeah, I, these, yeah. We're, we'll talk about it more next book, but um, yeah, I just don't understand the size of them. Anyway, so they, they run ahead and then first i think first rachel jumps one of them jumps yeah. first yeah um, rachel jumps first and then i guess there's a lot of smoke so they can't see that she like where she fell i don't know and then he jumps and they get caught and then this or three looks over first of all they do not hear the sound of bodies hitting the ground Mm-mm. he looks over it cannot have been that long from when they jumped to when this or three looks over and already there are two wolves there eating their bodies. Yep. But there's no blood. Also, the bodies, like, they can't be in bad condition because they didn't actually fall. So, yep. And then he, and then instead of being like, okay, well, it looks like that's done. Can one of you go down there and, like, clean that mess up because we don't want humans to find yeah. them? Mm-hmm. He doesn't do that. He's just, yeah. So basically, it says, um, yeah, Jarhami and Ket Halpak uh, lay still as Cassie and Jake, who had to fly down to the ravine and morph from falcon to human to wolf, pretended to begin devouring them. 
Fortunately, a Hork-Bajir can stand a lot of pain and they heal quickly. Oh, they're actually biting them? Oh no. Um, because I'll tell you what, if I didn't know the truth, even I would have thought that two dead Hork-Bajir were about to become wolf chow. So they were actually biting them, I guess. Um, oh, I kind of read that as like, oh no, I guess that is right. I, I guess I initially I think... read that as like, he was saying, uh, like, oh, it looks so realistic but it's not actually real. But I think you're I right. Think, that that doesn't think, mean they're actually getting eaten, which is gross and bad. It's gross. And also I wonder how either of them managed that given their reaction to accidentally eating things in the past. Yeah. Um, would I, I held my breath. Would the Yerks be fooled? Would Visser 3 believe that Rachel and I had fallen to our deaths? So logically, Visser 3 should not be fooled. He should send someone down there. Yeah. But this is what happens instead. I heard cruel laughter in my head. Fools, Visser 3 sneered. No one escapes the Yurk Empire. Certainly not a pair of idiot hork bajir Look at them down there, all of you. That's what awaits anyone who tries to escape the Yurks. He laughed a terrible laugh. The wolves will give them both the burial they deserve. That is not a good decision, uh, Visser no. 3. Visser 3 has a million people there. It would not be hard for him to send somebody down there to double check. Look, I know that he's the bad guy. We're not rooting for his success. But I do think... That is some constructive feedback for him. Yes. That as an evil leader, he could do a little better. He could be, if he's vying for this promotion, he should consider, like, attention to detail, you know? Even just taking the bodies away, because you don't want to have these weird alien carcasses out in the woods because there are hikers. And also, yep. if there was a forest fire there, eventually there will be firefighters. Or somebody all controlled by Yerks, but still. But we know that that's not the case because we know that like ninety percent of the police force is not Yerks. So probably they probably didn't go. You know what? We're not going to go after the police. We're going to go after the firefighters instead. Like that wouldn't make a lot of sense. Which also seems weird, to be honest. I would have guessed that at this point the Yerks are like, fl like flooding the market. You know, like they're they're trying to get every single person that has any bit of power. That's what I would have guessed. So I'm actually surprised they haven't made more progress. But I think the reason they haven't made more progress is we know the person who's in charge of the Yurk invasion of Earth is Visser 3, and he does slipshod work He's like this. He's super bad at his job. Yes, yeah, super bad He's at He's so it. bad at his job. I just cannot imagine, like, not double-checking. This is like writing something for work and then not spell-checking it. Yeah. <laughs> and being like, it's fine. Don't worry yeah. about it. Anyway, so I thought that was, Mr. 3 is bad at his job, but I don't understand why he chooses to be this bad, because he doesn't actually have to choose to be this bad. Completely agree. I think he's really in trouble for that promotion. Yeah. Trying to get to Visser 2. This is why he's one. not Visser 1. This is why. Actions like this. When they do his review, you know, like part of the form is, you know, I guess, attention to detail, and this is probably listed on the attention to detail stuff. Like As an example this is of the why kind he's not of, getting the promotion? Yeah. This is the kind of work you need to be really looking into. We'll get you on a coaching plan to like get get this attention to detail <laughs> fine tuned. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Find like this or two to him to like help him, uh, like coach him through it. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. So yeah. Uh, cool. I think that's everything. That's a book. Honestly, like, not a lot happened in this book. What are you? I I thought a lot happened. Well, okay, but like, it all like stuff happened, but slowly. Yeah, this book okay the problem with this book could have been could have been half the length could have been half the length and we still would have gotten the same stuff the well, the problem with this book with, with this book for me is there were a lot of action sequences yes which sometimes in this book in this book series they're written really well these were not i thought my favorite action series which then makes the book feel like a drag i agree that's exactly how i felt that and that's actually exactly what i mean like they could have cut out all those action sequences and it still would have been all of the content half the length and I would, yeah. There's a I, lot I of, there was, was like a whole page in mine that was just the sound effects. The tsew, yeah. tsew sound effects that they put yeah. in there. A whole page. I didn't need that. Yeah, I do think there, there were some, some different choices they could have made. Or just like if, if those scenes, because there have been times when we've written, when we read action scenes that were genuinely very exciting. Yeah, this was um, not them. This was not those. Yeah. No. All right. Well, you want to go to class? Let's go to class. All right, class number one. Xenobiology. Xenobiology. This is our made-up class. Yep. It's, where it's we, biology. We just want to talk is... about cool aliens. But, okay, so this is the thing that I liked about this book. One of the things I liked about it is that I feel like a lot of these books, we get 
a handful of information about uh, an alien, but usually not very much, and it's usually not very yeah. interesting. We got a fair amount of uh, hork information, and I would say up until now, we've gotten almost none. That's true. That's true. I do agree. I liked learning about the hork and they are an interesting species, for sure. Especially because we see them so much in the book series. I also kind of think, we've talked about this before, where, where they are killing controllers and they're humans, yes. and we're like, oh, they're killing real people. Yeah. It also, I actually think that meeting Ket and Jara makes killing hork which they've done a lot, and they're going to do more of, I am sure, um, it makes it more troubling because when they it meet really the does. actual hork when they're not trapped, they're like nice people. They're nice people, and it's very clear that they were completely there the whole time. They they were very aware of what was happening around them while the Yerk was in their head. Like, it's not like they were just gone. They were completely yeah. there. Which honestly is horrifying. Yep. I, I'm very curious how long the two of them have been under Yerk control. Um, like, they seem to be relatively okay. Like, they're definitely, they probably got, like, mental health damage. But, like, hmm. They don't see, they're able to make their own choices. They're able to um, do a lot of stuff that I, like we, we've seen in, I think it was Megamorse, we've seen a human former controller who was a fucking mess. Yeah. Um, I'm just curious. I would imagine they've probably been controllers longer than that human was. Yeah. Probably. But it also seems like, um, actually, actually, now that I think about it, maybe not. Because, um, no, actually, I take that back. Probably, yes. Because I was just thinking about how they, when they're um, at the Yerk pool and they're Yerkless, mm-hmm. that's probably when they are forming their relationships and friendships with each other and trying to keep their community alive, right? Right. But um, I don't know that they're ever Yerkless for that long because there is a pretty high demand for lots of hork soldiers, basically. I think they get the same one every time. Right, but I'm saying, I don't imagine that like, their Yerks are in the Yerk pool for that long. Oh, I see. Maybe, maybe. Um, we don't actually know that. I'm just wondering. Don't I don't know. Maybe we'll anyway, find out more in the future. let's talk about what that. we actually do know. Yes. So we learned that hork are herbivores. And they eat the they bark eat- from trees. Yeah. And they think the earth trees are shit. <laughs> and all of their, their blades, their various uh, blades, are made for different kinds, like different parts of the tree bark. So- yeah, and different, different tools related to the act of caring for trees so that you can then eat their bark. Like, they're tree farmers, basically. Yeah, so, like, this, at one point, Tobias is with them and watching them eat. Um, they don't say that the earth trees are bad. Yeah, they do. At one point, they're like, these aren't trees. <laughs> oh, are they? Oh, well. Yeah. Um, so, Tobias is watching them, and he asks them, like, is that why, is this why the hork have blades to strip bark from the trees? And Ket Halpak stood up. She, I was sitting on a rotting log, she, so she towered above me like a skyscraper. She pointed to her elbow blade for straight cut, indicating her wrist blade, she said, for taking off. Sticking out her knee, she explained, for down by ground. For the bark of the tree, I said. Each of the blades is a special use. Each one is for harvesting tree bark. Um, and then we also learn in here, um, Tobias asks them, there aren't weapons. You don't use them to defend yourselves from enemies, to kill prey? Jarahami looked right at me. Hork-Bajir have no enemy, no prey. Hork-Bajir not kill. Yurk kill. Yurk kill Andalite. Andalite kill Yurk. Hork-Bajir die. You're caught in the middle, but that's why the Yurk took over your, took over your race, the blades. They made you deadly once the Yurk evil was in your head. You're the ultimate soldiers, all because you're adapted to eating tree bark. We learned a lot about them. Um, and Just in that one paragraph, we learned a lot. Yeah. yeah. Another thing we learned about them, a thing that I don't like, uh, that really bothers me, and it, it comes up a lot in this book. And I, basically, when we first meet the Hork Bajir, it's like on page 13, I think, of the PDF. Um, let's see. Oh, they basically imply that they're dumb. They call them dumb a lot. Yeah, I di- also did not like that. And it it felt to me like the same way, like, okay, you know, there are shitty people in our, on our planet who, or in our country who will be like, if you don't speak English, that's a sign of lack of intelligence. When it's like, that person actually speaks two languages. Like, they're speaking their language 
and English, right? Like, like that, that doesn't mean they're not intelligent. And that's exactly what this felt like to me, them being like, they talk weird, they're dumb. But that well, didn't seem thing, right. Is them speaking English, first of all, to me, that's fucking amazing because they do right? not have the same structures of the human mouth that you need <laughs> yeah. to speak English so that they can speak English at all is amazing. And that um, they learned English while being occupied by a yerk? Yeah. Who so has a whole different things, language? Well, one of the things um, we hear about them, um, this is when they're outside the cave, it's Tobias and Axe um, talking about them. Axe says, our two hork are pretty quiet in there, I told Axe. They were talking earlier, mostly in their own language, but even then they used English words. Why is that? The hork were never a very intellectual species, Axe said with a hint of snobbery. Their own language is primitive. It only had about 500 words. That what we, that's what we learned in school anyway. I suppose it's true. I guess for duty here on Earth, the Yerks thought they should be able to speak a few words of the human language. Um, yeah, well, I sucks. highlighted that part and wrote racist, so. Yeah, <laughs> like, that sucks. That felt really bad. It really, really sucks. I also want to say that Axe should not talk about um, other species and how much he learned in school, because what we know is that he doesn't know anything. He doesn't know shit. It just yeah. it really bothered me. They kept on calling them dumb uh, and primitive. Mm-hmm. Like, those are really not cool. Like, that's just not cool in general. Um, and also, like, it just, it's, the, everything about it bothered me a lot. The number of words in a language isn't indica- indicative of how smart or not smart someone is. Um, and there are things that they can do that, like, Andalites never would have thought of doing. Like, it, it just bothers me. This, like, yeah. really dismissive, like, they're primitive, they're dumb. They can't learn anything. They, they don't have the same culture we do. Just it's so get over annoying. yourself. They have a different culture. They're just not human. Like, it's fine. Yeah. And honestly, again, the fact that they can speak any of the human language mm-hmm. is amazing. Like, they speak, if they can speak English, that is hard to learn for someone who doesn't speak English as a first language. It's extremely hard to learn when you have basically, like, not a human face. You also better believe that if humans were dropped on a hork planet, they would not attempt to learn the language. <laughs> like, no. no human would do that. <laughs> no, and then, and then we also, on the same page, we don't know, we don't learn a ton about it, um, but basically, we, we, we learned that the hork don't really trust the Andalites. They think of them as, like, being part of the problem, basically, mm-hmm. and Axe, so Tobias says that to, to Axe, and Axe says, we tried to take them from the Yerks, Axe said with sudden anger, we failed, yes, but we did try. Why should they hate us? Um, and then Tobias says, I don't know, Axeman. Maybe they've had Yerks in their heads for so long they just absorbed the Yerks' hatred of Andalites. Well, the Yerks should hate us. We Andalites will defeat them in the end. And of course, you humans will help too. Um, and yeah, then Tobias Axe, says, I need you I, to stop being like a mouthpiece for the Andalite government. Like, it's really, it's too Andalite much. Andalite Fox News. I, they are bad guys. I just can't with them. Well, and, and then he's, Tobias says, I like Axe, but he's a bit arrogant about his own species. I'm like, yeah, he's really, like, awful, not cool. Um, yeah, I just, every time they talk about how dumb the hork was, I was like, I hate this. I hate reading this. Yeah. It makes me Absolutely unhappy. agree. Yeah, same. And it's just, it's not a good way to view other cultures. Like, differences in languages is not a difference in intellect or in ability to learn. Um, and also, these are uh, a species that are honestly probably very traumatized. <laughs> Um, who have not had the ability to make their own choices. And it really bothers me. It's also... That we keep on um, hearing them they were. It's like... Okay, two things. The first is, again, it's like a children's book. And that's the message you're giving to kids. That yeah. if you can't speak English to the same level that a native speaker can, then you're dumb. Like, that's not an acceptable message to give to children. Um, yeah. And I do think... Yeah. I do think that the... The book does not seem to totally endorse what Axe is saying. Um, but it doesn't it, like, refute it, doesn't it clearly. Say, right. So that's the thing. It's like, it doesn't seem like Axe, what Axe is saying doesn't feel like totally the right thing, especially because they call him like a snob and they call him um, arrogant when he talks about this stuff. And definitely that he's speaking even about humans kind of sucks. Um, but it, but it's, it's not it's super too clear. subtle. Yeah, for, a, for a kid's book, it's too subtle. Because it could be like, but Axe is cool and he does have a tail blade. What I would like to see um, is if 
there will be more conversation about this in the future. Just in general, like if, if the books become clearer the further we go along, and really what I'd love to see is if the Animorphs themselves get more invested in like the Hork-Bajir aren't stupid or the Hork-Bajir are like worthwhile allies because it seems like, it doesn't even seem like accidents that they're worthwhile people. Um, yeah, he, he like love, does not care. I would love and his, to see, his reaction was like, why would you let, why would you help them? Because if we fail, we have to kill them because we can't trust them. Like he, he yeah. really doesn't care about them. I would love to see there's more of a split or even just more of a disagreement between um, Axe and the other Animorphs or Axe and some of the Animorphs about that because that seems like something that Tobias will struggle with only because Mm -hmm. Tobias is the one who's bonded with them the most. Um, And I would bet that Cassie will probably also be on the side of treating them better. Yeah. Just because that seems like kind of in line with her character. Anyway, I don't know. I'd like to see if that happens more. I really hate they're calling them dumb a lot. It really bothers me. Bothers me too. Also, I just, different topic, but I want to talk about the Hork-Bajir party trick that happened in this book that was a lot for me to handle. I had to put the book down. So at one point they're like, how do we know that you're not a Yerk just pretending to be a Hork-Bajir like escapee? And it, Jarahami takes his blade, cuts his fucking head open, shows them his brain and then just squishes his head back together and it starts to heal up. And I read that and I had to stop. I had to take a couple breaths and I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> what the fuck? What? Why? Why did it have to be included? I think we could have done that another way. That was horrible. It was super gross and unnecessary and like cruel to the characters. <laughs> It's a bad time all around. I, yeah, I, that was not fun to read. And it also, it was like, um, I feel like it uh, did accomplish one goal of like shocking Marco into shutting up and being like, respect him because he did something you would never do. So like, get over your shit and respect Jarahami. You know what it didn't do though? It didn't make Axe respect them. So I, yeah, like yeah. To, me, yeah. to me, that's a sign of like the Horkbajir ex- experience probably really shocking brutality. And so that probably wasn't even like, he was like, of course I do that. Like, of course I would prove the experience you is so yet. terrible. Yeah. Yeah. It was um, we, learned, we learned one other thing about them real quick is we learned a little about their family structure, just mm-hmm. that they have wives and husbands. Um, yeah. But that's, that's kind of all we learn. Yeah. But yeah. it was interesting to know. And yes, they, they have a concept uh, of partnership. Yeah. And potentially binary gender. Potentially? We don't, don't really know. We, really, we don't really know. Because, like, what if you were looking at humans and you happened to grab two cis straight humans? You'd be like, ah, yes, they only have two, but, like, not really. But potentially they may have some sense of binary yeah. or of gender. And potentially it lines up with husbands and wives. Maybe. Who knows? We don't know enough. Unclear. Uh, should we go to our next class? Let's do it. All right, class two, we've been here before. We're going to be here again. Here we are in ethics class. Yep. The ethics we've of got this a big book. ethical problem. So many ethical problems. But always, if the Elemis shows up, we got an ethical problem. Yeah, so I want to say, first of all, at the very beginning, when, they, when Tobias is like, oh, I like keep uh, like having problems where like I something suddenly on a different place or like something's weird. When that started happening, I was like, oh, fuck. Is, is it? First, I was like. Same. And, the, and then when they were talking about, like, and when they finally had, they're like, oh, oh something's going to happen. And then when they were talking about, what are we going to do with these Hork-Bajir? I was like, man, wouldn't it be a good time for the, I think I wrote in my notes, this would be a great time for the Elements to show up and, like, offer his shelter or whatever they had they were offering to the animals. Like, wouldn't that be a great time for that? Yeah. And then I wrote, like, oh, maybe the Chi. Like, I was like, someone's going to show up in this book. Like, it can't just be these guys. And then, um. I, yeah, I wrote a bunch, there's a bunch of my notes leading up to this. Um, yeah, like one of them was, wouldn't it be cool for the elements to just show up now? Um, and then he does. And then he does. And I don't understand how he's allowed to do this. Well, I don't think he's allowed. I think he's breaking his own rules, but he doesn't care because he has no ethical sense. Um, also, I liked how he showed up. Tobias just straight up refused to play the game like he was like nope somebody is making me do something i don't want to do and so i won't do it and he just sat there until the element showed up and was like what's up toby hey like just like 
that's how it went. And Tobias was like, I'm not going to talk to you unless you agree to pay me. Like, I just will not play any games with you, period. And it, it seemed to work fine. I do want to say when he brought Tobias into his like weird meeting zone. Yeah, the, the, uh, the Zoom room. Yeah. <laughs> Tobias, uh, I said I, I was no longer a red-tailed hawk, but I was not human either. At least not by, at least not the way I had once been human. I had arms that were wings. I had legs that ended in talents. I had a beak, but it was a mouth too. What? Oh, Tobias accidentally ate some mushrooms that morning. <laughs> it was a real mess. Yeah. Um, yeah I, oh, God, the LMS. I just, there are so many times when he could have showed up and actually been helpful. And I guess he's helpful here, but it just sucks that he's so manipulative of Tobias. So he's really manipulative. And I personally believe that he is threatening. So like he, uh, he tells Tobias, like, get the hork to the valley and I'll pay you. And I'll pay you what you really want. And there's like, Tobias thinks that means you'll make me human again. But that's not what the Elemist means. He means I'll give you the power to morph again. But he doesn't tell him that, which is lying. Um, and then he like sends a raccoon after Tobias. Like if, if the Elemist can make Tobias appear in random places, like on command, he for sure can cause Tobias's wing to break so that a raccoon eats him. Like, the Elemist did that to him so that he would be yeah. near death, and then the Elemist could do whatever he wanted. Like, that's that's what I think happened there. And I... So this is a thing that I was, I was thinking about, is the book seems to, to me to heavily imply that actually Tobias really wanted to be a hawk. Like he really likes being a hawk mm -hmm. because he keeps on thinking about all these things like, Oh, I want to have that human thing, but actually my life was so bad before. Um, and I, I guess that's what the book is really heavily implying, mm -hmm. but it does seem like if you're promising someone what they want the most, because what he says, he's like, Oh, I'll give you what you want the most. And Tobias doesn't actually say it out loud, which by the way, I want to say it's, that's bad if you're negotiating with someone you probably yeah, yeah. say out loud get it want. in get it in writing yeah but the elemist is implying to tobias that he's he's that he doesn't even know what he wants the most yeah like he he's even as he's like telling tobias i'm gonna give you what you want the most he's kind of negging him a little bit and being like but yeah and tobias didn't say like give like he wants to be an anamorph he wants his human body and he wants to be able to morph that's what he wants and the Elemist is like, that's not what you want. No, 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 no. You want the reverse. And which is like, no, just what? Yeah. I, it's very strange and manipulative and weird. Yeah. I don't understand how much power he, he does or doesn't have. At the end of the book, they kind of imply that he made the valley. Or they talk about, like, that they think maybe he made the valley appear. Yeah. Um. Which is cool, but then, like, couldn't he be more useful if he's, like, able to break the rules that he can, like, create a valley and give Tobias his powers back? Like, why can't he do better, more useful stuff? I just had a really hot take. Um, Tell me your hot take. Just, I would love for you to just channel how we went to Catholic school. So, all of the Garden of Eden nonsense. Uh -huh. So, the Elemis in that analogy is God. He made the yeah. valley for Adam and Eve. For Jara and Ket. Right? Yeah. Which means he's going to fuck with them later. Like he's, like he's going to put a tree in that garden, and then manipulate them into doing something. Like he, that's, that's the plan. The Elemist is not good. I just don't also, understand. Adam and the Eve Elemist. had Cain and Abel, and then there was murder. And is that what's is that what's going to happen to Jara and Ket's kids? That I seems bad. I don't know, like. I don't know how much we're supposed to see the Elemist as a god. I still understand what the Elemist's role in this is. Like, he's just, because we don't really know him as a character, we don't know his motivations, it makes me really, it makes it really hard for me to understand, like, is his goal to be god? Like, what is his goal? And that's what I don't like with the Elemist, is that we don't know mm -hmm. what his deal is. Like, why does he want any of this? We have no idea about his motivations, yeah. And honestly, I think he's like Q in Star Trek, which is yeah. that he has no motivation, he's just a chaos monster. That's his goal. He's just trying to have a good time. He's immortal. That's it. Well, and honestly, short of having a book, which I actually think there is an Elemist Chronicles somewhere up ahead, mm -hmm. 
I oh think my God. so. But like okay. anything that he says to the Animars, I inherently don't trust. Same. Because I like, there's no, I don't trust him to be honest with them. I don't, it's just every time he's talking to them, he's being kind of manipulative and weird. Yep. I just don't trust him enough to like believe anything that he says. I agree wholeheartedly. Don't like him. And I do think that it is really unethical to do this really weird manipulative negotiating, especially with someone who is a teenager, maybe a teenager, yeah. might even be 12. Like these are really young people that he's fucking with um in a way that just sucks i agree i just well that's the elemist he's trash i guess but okay what this book what this did confirm for us i think we, we've asked the question before if we'll see him again this confirms us that we are we definitely going to see him again there's no way yeah. he's not going to be back in the future like it just seems Absolutely. like he's gonna be a recurring guy uh, the other thing that i want to say is that i don't find tobias getting his powers or getting his powers back in this way super rewarding I actually think that's interesting because I feel like he was becoming a boring character in the sense that like yes. he can do much in the action sequences except play scout. And I, I feel like the reason this plot point happened was partially because they needed to, you know, zing it up a little bit. They needed yeah. a little more oomph in the, in the war sequences. I do think um, the, another thing that this does solve though is if he had been turned back into a human and morphing powers, he would have just like shown up at home. Yeah, I, I, while I was reading it, I was like, "What's going to happen when he becomes a human? Where's he going to go? Is he going to live like the, with Jake? Like, he'll have the exact same problem. Is he going to live in Cassie's barn?" He and like the problem that like the illness was going to solve, like the illness didn't didn't have an answer to that problem. No. So I don't, I, I don't like the illness very much, but maybe I'll change my mind later. I'm sure we won't. That's how I feel about that. I think he's always going to be no, no good. Well, we'll see, though. Is it time for us to get our homework? Yeah. What's the homework? Yeah, I will tell you. So next time, we're going to be reading the hork Chronicles. So it's like a, another one of those little side series, um, mm-hmm. much like our earlier kind of jaunt into Megamorphs. Yeah. Um, all right. I will read. It's not the back of the book. It's the little, you know, front hardcover thing. Oh, it's a hardcover? My, my, my version of it is, yeah. Wow, that's fancy. Okay. Um, okay. And the cover, instead of having our traditional, like, person mor- morphing into an animal, it's uh, a hork face and an uh, Andalite face. The, yeah, and the face looks pretty different than I anticipated, I'll be honest. Yes. And on the back cover, um, I'll make Wow, very different they than I expected. They have a hork and an Andalite, and they look, yeah, radically different. We'll talk about it next episode, I am sure. Oh, wow. Okay, That's a lot so this is what the cover says. Deck, you are the seer. You were born, you say, because your people would need you. Um, yes, I was born a seer because you Andalites were coming. We had a need of one who could learn from you. I thought it was that too, Aldrea said softly. But we were both wrong. You were not born because of the coming of the Andalites. You were born because of the Yerks are here. Dak Hemi is a unique hork His people call him a seer. He learns more quickly and completely than the rest of his docile race. hork like him are once generation. Aldrea is a young Andalite, daughter of the notorious uh, Prince Ciro. It is only after she and her family are sent to the hork homeworld that she begins to fight the Yerks, and, with Dak's help, ultimately discovers their hideous plan. Espelin 9466 is the Yerk that will become the feared warlord, Visser Three. He is set out to defeat the hork and begin building the building of the Yerk Empire. The story chronicles the fierce hork wars in a time before the Animorphs. That's the end. Pretty exciting and stuff. And then it's K.A. Applegate's uh, author bio. Is there a picture? Yeah. It's, she is morphing. It's her morphing into a lion? Yeah. Wow. I love it. Um, yeah. And she, I, I do want to add this one little thing from the author bio. Uh, according to Miss Applegate, the hork Chronicles is a book I've wanted to write for a long time. I wanted to show that most stories of conflict are more complicated than any one side would have you believe. Not that good and evil are impossible to find or define, but uh, just that the reality is usually a little grayer around the edges. So that's what the next book is here to tackle. That we'll be talking Let's about. Let's talk about that concept. Yeah, so we're going to have some I fun have some next time. All right, um, great. Well, you can find us on Instagram 
at the book report pod you should definitely follow us there because we're posting a lot of quality content a lot of memes and yep and what else we are on facebook at the book report i think we were on and you can email us at the uh, we love animorphs at gmail.com uh if you have spoilers that you want to email us don't but if you have to just put the word spoiler in the the title and we'll have someone else read it and let us know what we gotta know and i think that's everything i think that's everything yeah give us reviews tell your friends to listen to us we're like getting some listeners which is kind of cool but we want more (laughs) uh yes have you heard of pyramid schemes do that yes um we are the yurks of podcasts i guess oh god this is a bad Um, analogy (laughs) i know um (laughs) anyway so just just uh tell your friends to listen to us um and if you read this book and you have thoughts and feelings about elemis or Corpusier or people being fucked up about other species i don't know let, email us know let us know comment or come come on instagram and tell us in the comments like that's where we will be so tell us there yeah yeah we definitely want to hear from you yeah. um if you know a lot about i don't know ethics let us know we'll have you if on the you're podcast a youth and you're on tiktok we're not there but good Make for a you tiktok about us <laughs> all right thanks friends uh, see you later all right bye bye my onesie to our recording session today and then i thought no (laughs) then you thought no i have to be professional um okay Uh, it's a little too long for this let's continue